0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment, so you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select
2: faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. cowboy meal valid when product served.
0: Tonight, it's the biggest night of the year for podcast fans. Our 2021 iHeartRadio Podcast Awards.
1: These are really some of the best and brightest and smartest and most compelling minds in the country.
0: Celebrate the podcasts we've leaned on for laughs, headlines, stories to get our adrenaline pumping, and voices to comfort us.
1: This is a huge honor. We did
0: it! Thank you to my listeners, because without them, this wouldn't happen. Don't miss our 2021 iHeartRadio Podcast Awards. Watch on iHeartRadio's YouTube and Facebook and listen on our iHeartRadio app tonight at 9pm.
2: Hello and welcome to episode number 35 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. This week, I have with us Dustin Galker and Adam Candy the two e's no Y version. we are very happy to be back here in twenty twenty rolling out these podcasts each and every week. We are no shortage of news that continues to roll out here in the gambling industry. We'll talk a couple of state news here. We'll talk some numbers as we always do. Some big stuff happening in Vegas. Could that lead to lead to bigger things? We will question that as well, and we will continue to. Uh, talk about this thing going on over with uh, DraftKings and DFS. We, me and Adam talked about it a little bit last week, and see if there's anything further to talk about there. As always, guys, we are on all of the ways that you get your podcast, so please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars are certainly appreciated. You can find us on Twitter at LSP Report. All right, guys, let's kick things off here. Uh, Dustin, let's talk about what's going on over in Kentucky. We have some good news coming out of the Bluegrass State.
3: Yeah, I guess we won't sit here and say Kentucky is a stone-cold lock to pass sports betting legislation this year, but very good signs out of there. Legislation's already moving. Just this week, uh, the new, co- new governor uh, gave his State of the State address and said he was behind sports betting legislation. He said, uh, coming into the future also requires that we rec- create the new revenue to meet the growing needs of our state, and right now we're watching more than $500 million in gaming revenue go across the border to states like Indiana, Ohio, and Illinois. It's time to stop that flow, to use that money for our needs and uh uh, representative adam koenig has filed a sports betting bill i fully support it and we should pass it so if you're if you're handicapping whether kentucky's going to do something that seems like a pretty good uh stamp of approval from the governor um we'll stop short of saying it's a done deal but very good sign for sure
2: Adam, when we take a look at that statement right there, I mean, he brings up something that we've talked about several times on this podcast is we've said over and over again that a lot of these states, hey, why aren't you looking at the numbers? Why aren't you looking at what the other states are doing and why aren't you really beating the drum? More that, hey, we are letting all of these people go across the border and spend their hard earned dollars in states that is not our state and the money is leaving us. Why do we not do this for ourselves? And to have the governor come out and say this, I think, is a pretty powerful statement, as Dustin said.
0: It is a powerful statement. Keep in mind also that the governor was in the administration prior and was a proponent of sports betting at that time as well. So this is sort of making good on, I wouldn't say a campaign promise, but at least some campaign rhetoric that we had heard from Governor Bashir. So good on Kentucky for that. And, and to your point, Matt... Beyond letting it go to other states, uh, you're letting it go into the illegal market. You're letting people continue to wager offshore when you know that the activity is happening in your state and, frankly, every state, and you have the ability to bring in a legal market that can capture that and help plug some holes in the state budget. That seems like a much more prudent course of action.
2: Yeah, I hope that we hear more of these lawmakers come out as they continue to discuss these things and really just lay it out like... Uh, They did here in Kentucky and just like, look, here are the states that are profiting off of our residents. So let's not let this happen. Let's do this. Let's make this happen, guys. And I think that that is certainly a pretty powerful statement, no doubt about it. Adam, one of the things that is pretty powerful is uh, that a person has the power to veto things. You and I were talking about what could go on in Maine last week on the podcast. And boy, did we have something go on in Maine?
0: Yeah, something I think is the exact <laughs> correct word. I think you have accurately described what happened in Maine. That uh, that was something. Um, in short, Governor Janet Mills ultimately vetoed a bill that would have legalized sports betting in Maine. Keep in mind, that bill passed in 2019, but some procedural rules in the legislature gave the governor until the start of the next legislative session this year to make a decision Now, she could have chosen to just let it go and become law without her signature. But Mills vetoed it and issued a fairly detailed letter explaining why she didn't want to legalize sports betting. And frankly, had she just left it at the first four or five paragraphs, I think everybody could have lived with the idea that she says that uh, she does not think that it's the right bill to keep this uh, to bring this into the light. But then she kind of took it off to a bizarre area where she said, while legalized sports gambling may attract some revenue to the state coffers, the same economic premise in theory would justify legalizing all forms of gambling, betting on the weather, spelling bees and school board elections, for instance. Look, there are legitimate reasons and anyone I think can respect those who have arguments that go against legalizing sports betting. That's the idea of healthy debate. But when you start bringing straw men and silly ideas like betting on spelling bees and school board elections that are never going to be happening in the legal U.S. sports betting market, then you take this to a place that doesn't need to go. And frankly, you lose a lot of credibility in the eyes of anyone trying to have a reasonable discussion about this.
2: Dustin, this is something I know you we all kind of laughed about this whenever we read this statement. But honestly, does this not just reek of either one, someone going, you know, basically full on hyperbole here to try and back up their position or just a complete lack of the situation in the landscape altogether? I mean, hopefully, I guess in this case, I'm holding out hope that maybe it was just speaking an incredible hyperbole here so that they can so that she could back up her position on this but it also i listen as much as we've listened to these hearings and as many of the things that we've heard in some of these debates and the back and forth i'm not ruling out that basically she just doesn't really have a firm grasp on how this works and i think that's kind of sad whenever we look at this situation where you would come out and veto something and and not like take the time to look and see that obviously there are safeguards against betting on things like that your state has a An opportunity to make what is legal and what isn't we you know we see state to state there are various different laws that go into each state obviously over in New Jersey you can't bet on the teams that actually reside in New Jersey there are different things that are going on in the various other states around here so I don't know I mean where do you where do you kind of land on this with what her level of understanding is to how this all works.
3: Yeah, I think you're spot on, and it's just t- this is hyperbole. You're 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 vetoing something. You want to have a good reason to do that. So it looks like they her or more likely her aides came up with something a little bit over the top to say hey we don't want to do sports betting right now this is why we're not doing it so it is disappointing but you know this is this is part of the world of the legislative landscape you can't not everybody knows everything about everything it's impossible to know that kind of to that level of detail it's just disappointing when you hear that and, and see things that are just just yeah just not true or are meant to, to fear monger it's, it's not great for anyone so it's definitely disappointing The the cool part about Maine not passing something was uh, Governor John Sununu of neighboring New Hampshire, which does have legal sports betting with uh, uh, both retail sportsbooks coming on, coming and DraftKings sportsbook online, was out there trolling Maine immediately, saying, "Hey, come bet, <laughs> come across the border and, and bet in New Hampshire." So, uh, I, 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 while New Hampshire not perfect with how they've rolled out sports betting, I do and do enjoy uh, governors encouraging people to, to 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 bet, and that's kind of the opposite side of the spectrum of Maine. We have a, a governor who's fully supportive, who's trying to get people to to adapt the uh, adopt the uh, online model and sports betting. And and that's that's refreshing to see, at least.
2: I did see that Maine was considering revisiting this at some point this week. Adam, had you seen where basically the legislature was going to bring this back up? And apparently, uh, I I guess the, the last thing I saw was they didn't think that it would necessarily change anything, but they at least wanted to talk about it yet again.
0: The legislature did include this as one of two bills on its calendar for potential override. That discussion was actually supposed to come up today, but in a very main twist, the snow is so strong in the Northeast that they had to cancel the (laughs) session today. So the next time that this could potentially appear on the calendar
2: would be Tuesday. We will certainly keep you guys updated next week. I
3: also like to do my geography quiz. I I set the number of cities that, that Matt can name in Maine
2: at two and a half. Bangor. Bangor, that is, Maine. That is, that is correct. There is Bangor, Maine. And there is also a city in Maine that is a city in another state, I'm pretty sure. So uh, there's that as well. So let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> we'll go with we'll go with those. There is there's Bangor and there's uh, yeah
0: there's nah, portland I think, buddy i think there's the portland that's where i was going
2: for. yep yep portland there we go that's what i was that's what i was going with never been to maine actually never been uh never been to maine new hampshire or vermont i've never been in that area i hear it is quite lovely i would like to visit it sometime Pro- probably not in any of the cold weather months especially if we are getting sessions canceled because snow is so heavy can't, you can't you don't want to go swimming in the main water either very cold so that's a good. See, this is good insider information. I will take that with me whenever I do my uh, extreme northeast tour sometime later here in 2020. All right, Dustin, let's talk about uh, New York. We talk about New York pretty much every single podcast in and listen for for good reason, right? I mean, this is the state here that we have talked about that could be the key to really, really blowing things open here and seeing what the potential of legalized sports betting could really, uh, you know, could really reach and. Right now, we are just continuing to beat our head against the wall because they are letting those mobile dollars continue to leave the state and you can only do it in upstate in person. So where do we sit with New York? Because I know there's always at least some form of optimism.
3: Yeah, there, there seems to be a little bit more this year than than other years. I'd say um, last year, I mean, we, we passed a bill out of one of the chambers in, in in New York, and everybody thought that was great progress, but ended up not becoming law. There's a lot of underlying problems. the The big news here is that we have um, Governor Andrew Cuomo's budget is due next week, and there's at least some hope. I don't maybe it's misplaced hope, but there's some hope that sports spending will be a part of that budget. And if it is, that's a, a extremely good sign that. That may, Maybe the governor, who's not always been on board with with sports betting and online sports betting in New York. Of course, you have, you have upstate retail sports book in the state, but no online betting. So if it does appear in the budget, uh, we may be headed to some really good news in New York. If if it doesn't happen, doesn't mean game over, but it, it definitely makes a harder path for, for online betting to get done in 2020. But uh, So we're going to be watching very closely to see what
2: comes of the governor's budget and if sports betting is included in next week. We will try and... Uh, definitely. And actually, we will not try. We will definitely keep you updated on that as well. And of course, as all of these stories that we talk about, you can find the full written breakdowns of all of them over at com. So be sure. And head over there, New York being one of the states that we will continually kind of you know, talk about here anytime news comes up, because it really is such a massive. And we will talk about the the New, Jer- New Jersey numbers in just a second, just to give you an idea of just how massive a state New York could be in this whole, you know, sports betting landscape. But talking of numbers here, Adam, before we get to Jersey, let's go ahead and kick things off with Pennsylvania here. We were talking about and trying to start to speculate on when we would start to see some of these massive numbers uh, come out of Pennsylvania and listen slowly, but surely we're starting to get there.
0: I'd say the surely part is on track at this point when we get the report that says that Pennsylvania last year had $1.5 billion in handle. Now comparatively to New Jersey, it doesn't look like as much, but keep in mind Pennsylvania only started mobile sports betting in May of last year and we're already up to 87% share in December for mobile wagering in Pennsylvania, which is a high watermark. Uh, we're going to talk about New Jersey that has a similar number as well. Uh, revenue for the year, $92 million in Pennsylvania. They set another monthly handle mark at $342 million in December. FanDuel continues to be strong in Pennsylvania, just as it is in New Jersey. And uh, yeah, we're seeing that Pennsylvania is operating on much the same growth path as New Jersey.
2: So Dustin whenever we take a look at Pennsylvania and this is just stuff that we kind of like to do here but when you see the growth trajectory here you know how big of a state it is you obviously know that there is a ton of pro pro in, pro sports interest there and of course uh, you know a couple of big colleges as well. Do you think this time next year, you know, let's just let's let's just assume there's no you know, there's no New York, there's no California, there's no Texas, there's no Florida, there's none of these other massive states or something that open up. Do you think we are talking about Pennsylvania being kind of the big boy in on the block now?
3: I'm not sure we'll get there next year. I mean, I think New Jersey has some, some a lot of stuff going for it that that helps, you know, th- that New York City. Access uh, if they if they continue that that's that's hard for Pennsylvania to overcome in the short term. But granted, Pennsylvania is just a bigger state, more people. Um, crazy for sports. It will get there eventually. Uh, new Jersey also has the mature online casino market. We've seen that feed into to helping sports betting along, and vice versa with cross sell between the two products. Of course, Pennsylvania also has online casino, but a, a relatively new product, and uh, you know it's not been quite not been super fast to catch on in Pennsylvania for for a variety of reasons. We don't have to get into all that right now. But I don't know if we'll quite be to Pennsylvania surpassing New Jersey next year. This time next year, but we're certainly going to be getting close. And- and, you know, in the long term, if everything else just continued along, Pennsylvania, just by virtue of having more people, um, I think they'll definitely be the number one sports
0: betting market in the in the country, short of other other markets coming online. And I think it's important to keep in mind, guys, that, you know, Pennsylvania has about three million more people than New Jersey. But as Dustin said, once you factor in the New York market and we use, just to do some crude math, you know, if we know from FanDuel that they've said that 25 percent of their New Jersey accounts are registered to a New York address, they're getting that significant bleed from New York from a non-mobile market. So that does even out the, the population situation a little bit between those two states. Also, you just have more operators in New Jersey as well because of the 36% tax rate in Pennsylvania and the $10 million license fee that's made it hard for anyone but the really big boys to get in.
3: Yeah, that's those numbers are those. We, we talk about that tax rate in the background, but you know, that, that is a, a part of what's going to be reinvested in the product, reinvested into marketing to, you know, continue to get more customers and grow the market. Well, that, I think that's the that's something to watch. It's not we've been saying that ever since they, you know, 2017, they passed this gaming expansion with this really high tax on on sports betting. But, you know, it's it's part of the dynamic. And, you know, we'll see that play out over over time and, and seeing the growth of the market.
2: I thought it was interesting when we look and, it, you know, Adam, you mentioned it, that FanDuel's still just the the by far the top dog there. But the numbers of the other kind of ones we were wondering, you know, DraftKings just now gets going and they double what they were doing. You look at Fox Bet that comes up and took in 16.4 million in bets, which is up 21 percent from what they did in November, which is actually, you know, 16.4 million that they took in. Is more than the 16.2 That DraftKings did in November You know, and of course They're up to 35.9 million In December as well So we're seeing growth In some of these other brands Where we were wondering How long would it take Some of these other brands To really start to compete with FanDuel Now listen, FanDuel's still Just way, way, way out in five times you know What DraftKings is doing right now But we are at least seeing A little bit of traction Start to come from Some of these other brands
0: The important thing I think you just mentioned Is FoxBet Because DraftKings and FanDuel have the built-in advantage that they've had everywhere they go of having a database ready to go from DFS. And we know that uh, DFS also now legal and regulated in Pennsylvania. But FoxBet does not have quite the same situation. Yes, Stars Group is huge, but not the same way in the U.S. and not with a ready-made sports betting database the way that FanDuel and DraftKings have. I think this is the first evidence we're really seeing of just the potential that this FoxBet brand has in the long term.
2: And Dustin, I know we don't probably don't have hard numbers on this, but if you were to just speculate here, we know that uh, actually online poker has been doing fairly well in Pennsylvania since it got going. I mean, some of the tournaments that they're running in Pennsylvania are already bigger, way bigger, obviously, than any of the ones they run in Nevada over here, and then even bigger than some of the ones are running in New Jersey. Fox Bet, of course, part of that Stars group, which is Poker Stars, which is, uh, you know, putting on some of these really big tournaments there in Pennsylvania. We've talked about the crossover between casino and sports betting. Do you think whenever we look at a Fox Bet that's taken in 16.4 million, which is, again, up 21 percent from November? Do you think that maybe there's some of that reach coming from some of these poker players that are crossing over? Yeah, I mean,
3: poker and sports. Uh, it's, yeah, we could just because there hasn't been as much talk about poker, online poker. It's certainly the, those those verticals cross over too. The, the, if you're a poker player, you like to bet on sports. You probably like to gamble on other things too. So it's it's definitely a thing. You know, thing the thing that you have to temper with Pennsylvania is we saw a, a pretty huge boom. In New Jersey, when when poker launched, too, it was it was doing really well early days. People were really excited. Then everybody kind of then the market just cooled down. Poker has not you know not really done well over the last three to four years. It's you know either gr- either gone down or it's kind of plateaued depending on the time frame you're looking at. So, but the the question in Pennsylvania is whether one yes whether all this cross sell kind of helps poker um, helps it grow. It that has not been the case in New Jersey. Or two, if people in Pennsylvania are just more excited about it, you know, and then we have the the other added option of pennsylvania could you know enter this compact with all the other states that have online poker which would we, we create a much bigger pool for poker tournaments and cash games and things like that so you know reasons to be excited about poker that we we've not had in uh in past months and years but still
2: early days to really say poker is going to be a big part of the online gambling market moving forward Adam, we were talking about New Jersey. We were talking about these numbers and where they are getting all of this money from. And all we know is that it is a lot of money and a lot of that money is not coming necessarily from people handing it over the counter to another human being.
0: No, that is becoming less and less and less. Whether you're talking about New Jersey at 88% uh, mobile share, Pennsylvania at 87% mobile share. Uh, you know, When we're talking about nine out of every 10 bets being placed via a mobile device and these bets being of all shapes and sizes, then you see that the market really is moving this way and customers are speaking with their phones and with their wallets to tell you exactly what it is they want. I mean, you're looking at a New Jersey market last year that you know, uh, talk about four and a half billion dollars uh, in uh, in handle. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it, it's just hard to it's hard to understand when states are looking at this and they're not putting mobile at least seriously into the discussion of their legislation.
2: Dustin, we've talked about this, you know, time after time. Of course, the Meadowlands has been really good at it. Well, leads as far as retail goes and doesn't make, you know, doesn't make a scratch our head at all because it's so close to where New York is and it's just so close for people to go over there and actually do that. But then you look at second place as far as retail goes and there sits Borgata. And, you know, of course, their online aspect of all that is the BetMGM brand. But we've just not seen them get any sort of traction with the mobile brand whatsoever. And is it is it as shocking to you because what we've seen in Pennsylvania is the you know the Sugarhouse slash Bet Rivers brand has been able to kind of power them through and and actually done quite well when it comes to sports betting to date. And the, you know, the betting brand of of MGM and, and Borgata really hasn't happened on the digital side. And do you do you think it's maybe because they didn't come out of the gate just calling it like Borgata bet or something like that? Or do you think there's just maybe, uh, you know, people were just much more familiar with the DraftKings and FanDuel brand? and And that's just really kind of the end of it. And there's no there's no real story past that.
3: I mean, right now it's you, the the story is those companies that are, are more mobile first are an online first. FanDuel, DraftKings, and even even uh, Sugarhouse slash Rivers Casinos they have they have their own. Uh, Arm of the business that's just this dedicated to interactive, and they're not. It's not a third party, and um, MGM's getting there. They have this this partnership with GBC that's uh, that's uh, the Roar Digital that they they've just recently really started to push. They have a new product uh, in in New Jersey. They will have one. They'll roll the same product out in Indiana. Will also. Yeah, you know, it sounds like you're also going to get it in Nevada in not to not too distant future. So, you know, I think part of it is just is that they're they're think, start they they're definitely behind on thinking digitally. Even even though they've had online casino in New Jersey for a while, um, the, the, the sports betting piece of it was, they, I think they just thought oh, we'll open the doors, people will come. That has not been the case at, at all. Uh, you know, I th- what we've also learned and seen is that, uh, you know, the, the, the casino databases that these massive companies have, not as valuable as, as the sports databases that DraftKings and FanDuel have. These people who are, are ready-made for betting on sports, those are, are far more valuable emails and users to have as far as, as growing your product. So, I, I do think- think mgm will get there um they've they've they had forecast an investor last investor called 10 15 of the new jersey market they're not even close to that yet i think longer tail can they get there absolutely uh you know mgm has you know constantly talking about the importance of sports and sports betting to uh it's the experience to investors and things like that so it will come and i don't think they're going to give up on that but it's definitely been slow going
2: Adam, do you think that there's any of the sentiment of, hey, let's just play the long game in this because they've, you know, they've sat back and, you know, listen, they're not they're not they're not completely oblivious to what has happened in, you know, the poker industry, the DFS industry and all this where it's like the people come out. People are firing marketing dollars all over The place running crazy promos doing all this Stuff and yeah they acquire customers Quickly but then next thing you know they Look up and they're either getting acquired Or they are you know short on cash Or running or going out of business completely whatever It might be do you think MGM Might just be kind of sitting back saying Look we're not going anywhere we got these Properties across the country we still Feel we have a pretty strong brand here And you know we'll just kind of lurk For a little while here let all these other people Go and try to eat each other up and then we'll kind of make a move at a later date
0: here are some numbers to consider when you talk about that in the first nine months of 2019 DraftKings lost 114 million dollars FanDuel expects to lose 58 million dollars in 2019 Fox Bet is projecting losses of 40 million dollars Now, we just talked about Fox Bet coming out of the box strong in Pennsylvania, and we've talked about FanDuel and DraftKings across the country. They're making their play to go out quickly, but I would not be surprised at all if a company like MGM partnered with a heavy hitter overseas like GBC, if a Bet365, some of these other companies that have had big success overseas are just kind of sitting back and saying, no, we're good. We're going to take our time. This is a 5, 10, 15 year bet, not something where we have to get out there and win in the first year or two. Is that the right strategy? That remains to be seen because when we talk about the growth opportunity, you and I have had this discussion a number of times, Matt, you're talking more about casual players, Not sure casual players are going to be the ones who are going to shop around and find the best offers and find the best product. They might just find something they like and stick with it. So that's kind of the rationale, I think, behind the bet that DraftKings and FanDuel are making here to get in early and develop some customer loyalty and, frankly, some customer inertia.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be this will be one of the more and we've we've said this a couple of different times. I actually think that where MGM ends up in all of this over the next 18 to 24 months, I think is going to be uh, one of the more interesting things for me to continue to follow. Dustin, some more state news here in Tennessee. We were, you know, we have talked about one of the crazy things that we that ended up coming out of what we saw in the regulations here. And Tennessee just continues to kind of step in it.
3: Yeah, Tennessee is is currently on track. If they don't fix something, to be the worst sports betting state, and that's that's that might be saying something. Based on like states that have monopolies and and, uh, and other nonsense, but there's there's a regulation that's that's going around right now that they're they're thinking about where the where sportsbook operators will have to hold 15% of bets, which is an absolutely insane number. Uh, you know, I think I don't, I'm not sure I don't have the poll numbers in Pennsylvania and Jersey full year out there, but you know we're in the neighborhood in most months. Uh, you know, three, four, five, six percent of of bets are being held by by sportsbook operators. You know, Nevada. You know, historically. I think we're seeing anywhere again from three to seven percent in a given month, and, and so that's that's what the, the standard is of, of of hold. And Tennessee is saying. You have to either do you have to do something like two x of that. You have to hold, You have to you have to artificially say we're gonna hold that much of bets. So you know we we we've said in this podcast several times that people aren't price sensitive, but at, at the same time, if you're if you're getting up to a hold rate of fifteen percent and trying to manufacture that, I think people will wise up to that pretty quickly. Like uh, I'm not getting very much of my bets back when I when I bet right. on this stuff. So it's uh, for, to me it's a, it would be a huge mistake. Um, certainly, this is the would be the least competitive product with the offshore market. That we've seen anywhere in the United States and we're, we're hoping cooler pets prevail in Tennessee. They're looking at the regulations now They're they'll be making final decisions on, it looks like next month and, and hopefully they'll get rid of this kind of insane rule.
2: Yeah. I think that they've got a lot to kind of work on there for sure. And as you mentioned, and, and, uh, you know, I think we're all three of the same mindset here when it comes to this, that I don't think a lot of casual bettors are going to be incredibly price sensitive, but at the same time, If something is just completely egregious, then it's certainly going to throw up a red flag. And honestly, let's be honest, we've seen this time and time again. Just because it is becoming legal here in the United States does not mean that the offshore market isn't continuing to market to people in the United States and continue to advertise and continue to try to do sponsorship deals and get their branding out there. And, you know, if there is a, uh, you know, some sort of thing like you're talking about here in Tennessee, where it is just completely, completely out of line, It would not surprise me and probably is smart for some of these these offshore places to just come in and say like, hey, look, I don't know if you know what you're doing here, but this is completely crazy. Here's what you're getting back on every bet at at where you're doing it right now. Here's what you would get back if you did it at our place and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I think you're just really, truly kind of opening up a a can of worms here in this. And again, hopefully we keep saying this, that cooler heads will prevail. Hopefully people get things kind of, you know, right the ship here. But. Uh, Tennessee this could be this could certainly be disastrous for this state no doubt about it
3: yeah. what what What's the line look like if you're trying to hold 15 percent? Are we talking like, I don't know, like minus 140? I don't know. Like what's the what's the number that you're trying? Yeah, to I
2: know. I mean, it's li- yeah, it literally would have to be somewhere in like the everything would be like 30, 35, 40. I mean, like it's just artificial inflated craziness. And, you know, next thing you know, people are going to be getting the the offshore books, ping in their <laughs> ping in their Facebook and and whatever, you know, uh, Twitter and and Instagram accounts. And they're going to be running ads and they're going to be targeting those people. And look, you know. Look, probably rightfully so. I mean, at the end of the day, they would they they probably will be able to get some of those customers if things just get egregious. But hopefully, hopefully, they will get things you know in order there in Tennessee. DraftKings, We talk a lot about DraftKings here, but not really so much about DraftKings in Las Vegas. And one of the things that happened here in Las Vegas yesterday, Adam was over there. They opened a bigger office. They already had an office space here. They have now moved to south of the Strip over there, right next to the Strip, actually, and opened up a bigger office. And Adam, you were over there. You said everything looks very impressive. You said the space is, is very big, and it looks like they're going to... Put a good bit of their uh, good bit of their staff here. Planning on
0: up to 300 employees in Las Vegas, which would be second only to its Boston headquarters. And honestly, this office looks a lot like the Boston headquarters, the uh, sort of open office concept here. But, you know, uh, I was there in part to see the office and I wasn't there in part to see if an office in Las Vegas meant that the DraftKings Sportsbook app and or retail presence would be coming to Nevada anytime soon. And we got a bunch of answers that suggest that it's not going to happen anytime soon. Co-founder Matt Kalish was there and he said that opening in Nevada is a lower priority for DraftKings because of the in-person signup requirement. And because DraftKings does not have a retail presence that would allow people to show up and sign up. Now, the natural question that came out of that was last year in February We had a partnership announced between Caesars and DraftKings for online sports betting. That never materialized in terms of retail sports betting, which, of course, you would have to have some form of retail presence in order for people to come sign up for an account in Nevada. That is a state requirement that you have to show up and fill out paperwork in person and fund your account in person in Nevada. And Matt Gillish compared it directly to New Jersey and said, "Where in New Jersey, you essentially download the app and go. So... When it comes to Nevada, I would not expect to see anything coming up anytime soon because we've seen with that Caesars situation, now Caesars merges with El Dorado. El Dorado has a 20% stake in William Hill. Everything we hear is that William Hill is going to be taking over a lot of spots for El Dorado that could include the Caesars sportsbook. So I would not expect this situation to solve itself anytime soon.
2: Yeah, it's pretty interesting, Uh, you know, Dustin, whenever we try to look and say, where does DraftKings fit in in Vegas? I mean, there's just very few independent books anymore as far as who they might could possibly partner with. I mean, there's there's the wind, there's the Golden Nugget. The South Point is is still independent, but they do quite well on their own with what they're doing. The Westgate is independent, but they do quite well on their own with kind of what they're doing. And then you really look around town. I mean, Technically, I suppose the Venetian could, you know, a contract could run out that they have with. They're currently CG. Obviously, we've talked about on the podcast that, that William Hill recently bought CG. So maybe you could get in at, you know, at the Venetian. Maybe you could get in, you know, with one of these other properties that are CG properties if they don't want to get into bed with William Hill. But uh, it's just it's very interesting to see where there might be an opening for DraftKings in in the first place.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to be operating in Nevada to have a, you know, this is the gambling hub of of the United States and the world. It's like you don't you don't have to operate there. It's, I mean, they wanted a western, probably wanted, wanted a western base of operations. They get that now as well with a easy access to the rest of the West. So, I I, I don't I don't read this as you, they actually have to have a sports book or this is a sign of this is definitely happening. They, do they want to be in? Absolutely. They used to have, as you know, uh, you know Vegas events for the DFS uh, and those did mm-hmm. very well and then brought some brought some eyeballs to to everything they're doing. Doing. So they'd like to be in Nevada. But th- yeah, like I said, the, the, the paths to that are are, are slim to, to almost none, perhaps.
2: All right. Moving on here and keeping with DraftKings, Dustin, not a ton to actually this is a non-update update here. Adam and I kind of laid out what was going on with the DraftKings and the Bachelor couple on the DFS side of things. And it seems as if this is a, a non-update update here.
3: Yeah, uh, no decision in that case involving a, uh, a husband and wife. Uh, wife, famously on The Bachelor, um, won the DraftKings million dollar contest a couple weekends ago. Has, they have not been paid as of the recording of this podcast, and no decision from DraftKings. No real update. So, peop- like, it's definitely becoming maybe not a head scratcher, but I think people just thought there'd be a decision a little bit more quickly than this. Obviously, there's, you know, DraftKings has larger bigger fish to fry. They want to make sure they get this right. But, you know, from my perspective, you know, there's going to be, you know, depending on how this goes down, there's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be some regulators involved. We have 20 laws around the, around the country, a deal with DFS that many of them deal with collusion and things like that. So I, you know, whatever DraftKings aside, I kind of doubt that's the end of all this. And we're going to see probably some more action legally and regulatory wise in uh, in the United States.
2: Yeah. I, um, Adam, just my 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 guess here, and this is comes from absolutely nowhere. My guess in all this is, some way, shape, or form, they will find some way to not pay the bachelor couple at least formally, at least out in front of everybody. They move everybody up in the contest. The guy who got second wins the million, and then everything you know trickles down from there. And there's probably some sort of uh, probably some sort of kind of payoff NDA non disclosure thing on the side. And uh, and then you just kind of look at the you know, maybe maybe we never hear from this bachelor couple again when it comes to the DFS side of things.
0: You and I had the discussion of does DraftKings want to fight this in real court or does DraftKings want to fight this in the court of public opinion? And I think there's a way for them to fight this in the court of public opinion and win because they're ahead there and ultimately just deal with this. If a lawsuit comes as settlement that costs them less to do this. In the long term, than it does to pay this out and lose financially and lose in uh, in that court of public opinion. So I, I think you're on track there.
2: And finally, here let's talk about this whole Houston Astros craziness that is going on. If you guys have not been following sports, then. Uh, if you're or if you're just so buried in football, you don't know what's going on on the baseball side of things. The Houston Astros came out and got caught in this gigantic sign stealing uh, scandal here that really was just unbelievable. I mean, using high definition cameras and then beating on trash cans to signal to the batters what was going on. Of course, people have dug in now and looked at their home road splits and stuff like that, and especially in the playoffs. And look, I understand you're going to better at home as it is anyway and then certainly the Astros ballpark is 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 made for hitters but it's pretty pretty huge difference between things that were going on at home and on the road and uh, what this has come down has cost a lot of people their jobs in all of this and Dustin I know you kind of just have a a brief take on everything that goes on with this and just how MLB has tried to handle the sports gambling thing.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's natural for us. This is an integrity thing, and to compare it to to the betting aspect, right? Because baseball uh, former commissioner Bud Selig and uh, current Mid- commissioner Rob Manfred have, have, have been on about integrity. Now, before before the legalization of it and the, the, the fall of the federal ban, this was bet, betting was the worst thing for integrity. Manfred has con- constantly been saying sports betting is a threat to integrity if we if we're not involved in all of this. So, you know, this has in, in, for, unless there's something out there we don't know about, this has absolutely nothing. With sport to do with sports betting and is a far greater threat to integrity of the game than anything else. We know we've now lost three managers with uh, to to this cheating scandal, and uh, yeah, it's just hard for it's it's hard for me as I've listened to Major League Baseball lobbyists over the last year and a half say you have to include us because of integrity issues. And here's a huge huge thing that's going on in your sport. You've you've not you didn't catch it until well after the fact, Um, and then you know whether you think the everything that they've done in the in the wake of it, the penalties and the the suspensions and things are are enough. Like this is, this is the core integrity of your game and has nothing to do with sports betting. Like sports betting is, is to my mind, far less of a, of a problem for you than just like just actual cheating and umpiring and all these other things that really do affect the, affect the integrity of the game. So I get fired up when, when major league baseball says, the, the sports betting is the worst part of it when there's uh, obviously far greater concerns in the sport
2: and and Adam uh, just to kind of put a bow on all this i mean i think this is stuff that major league baseball Should have considered they probably didn't It was a kind of a knee jerk reaction to come out And say no 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 give us our piece give us our piece But to start to really break this down And start to think like something like this Something about some of these umpires that are Consistently horrible at calling balls And strikes some of all the like all of this Stuff if you're taking a piece Just becomes a much 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 Bigger deal than if you are Just the conduit to other people betting and stuff Like that I think this is stuff that you really Do have to sit down if you're MLB consider that and realize it's probably best that we just stay on the sidelines here.
0: Major league baseball's problem since 1919 has been about perception, right? Uh, When we talk about the black Sox, it's as much about the stain that has stayed with the game for the better part of a hundred years than it is about any actual cheating that might potentially go on. Umpires are not cheating. It's, it's, I mean, that, that, that's a silly concept, but at the same time, if you are going to be directly tied into how much money a sports book makes and how much money you get from it, then you're going to invite questions that you don't need to invite. And that just, that's not just for Major League Baseball. That's for the NBA and any other league that wants to talk about being paid out of the revenues of sports betting. And that doesn't mean just integrity fees. That means the official league data concept as well, because that goes back to the fact that they're charging essentially the same price they wanted to get out of the integrity fee when it comes to this, I I would suggest everybody go and check out a piece that Joe Varden from The Athletic published today about what happened in West Virginia when the leagues were trying to get their way right from the start there. And I think it goes to show that that knee jerk reaction that you mentioned was certainly how this all started
2: absolutely and just again you know i mean i know that there are people that listen to this podcast for to hear adam and and dustin's takes and don't really care about mine so much but i will say look sports it's just better to stay on the sidelines when it comes to this whole revenue thing it opens up an entire i mean it opens up just so many new avenues of things that you do not want to have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and, and when you're already dealing with as much as you're dealing with so please 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 get it through your thick heads Stay on the sidelines. That,
3: that's where I come from. Think about a world in where they actually got a law passed that had "quote unquote" integrity fee in it. You're you're asking for a class auction lawsuit because all of these Astros bets, right. any, any <laughs> bet involving the Astros is like suddenly in question, right? I think you know there, you can you, you can quibble with other things, but this would have triggered, I think, some kind of lawsuit where people are saying what where's where's my where are my bets at because all because the Astros were cheating for all this time right
2: I agree I agree this is just something we got to uh we got to get rid of here guys as always you can find all of the things that we talked about on legal sports report.com everywhere you find podcasts please go in subscribe rate and review five stars are certainly appreciated you can follow on twitter at lsp report for adam for dustin I'm Matt talk to you guys next week
1: The, go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment, so you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of
2: your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. cowboy meal valid when product served.
1: The, go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment, so you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy
2: one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served.